0: So in 2 Samuel, returning to, to the book that we've been going through, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, uh, I want to share on Beware the Spirit of Absalom. And just a recap to catch us up here. I, I heard last night was awesome with the creation speaker. I heard that was really good. And if you guys missed that, I missed it. I was sleeping. Uh, if, if you missed it, I'm going to watch it. Online, it was recorded, and it's on the website. So you can watch last night's uh, presentation on creation science, and that's online on our website. But a recap here in 2 Samuel. David, of course, sinned in adultery with Bathsheba and murder of her husband Uriah the Hittite. And Nathan, a faithful friend to David and prophet of God, spoke of the consequences to David, and in chapter twelve, verse ten of second Samuel, he said this, chapter twelve of verse 10, uh, 12, ten. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife, thus says the Lord. Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun for you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel before the sun. And so uh, here your sin will find you out. I mean, David, unfortunately, gets the consequences of his actions of what was spoken here and prophesied from Nathan in this chapter that we're about to review and you know, the fallout from, from, from the consequences, the seeds planted, were awful in David's family. You had his firstborn son, Amnon, rape his daughter, Tamar. And Absalom, the brother of Tamar, is, is uh, rightly so offended by this. And he brought justice by his own hand against Amnon. And for five years, he went without seeing and speaking with his father, David, And then he set Joab's field on fire. Picture of the fire burning in his own soul, in his own heart, to get his father's attention. And Absalom seems justified, but we will see that he is a man of a different spirit than David. And perhaps that's why there was this distance between David and Absalom. David is a humble-hearted man. Absalom proves himself to be a proud man. And David could see that there was something different about Absalom. And perhaps, again, that's what kept them from the bond that they ought to have had as father and son. David no doubt loved Absalom. And we'll see that. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. But there was a seed there in Absalom's heart that grew and grew. And here we will see the terrible fruits of that seed in Absalom's heart. Let's pray and review chapter 15. Father, we thank you for your word and ask, that you administer to our hearts, one and all, truths from your word, applied by your spirit, and that we would leave here with a greater knowledge of Jesus, our Savior, and a greater walk with you, Lord. By your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So in chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, after this it happened that Absalom provided himself, with chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was, whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision, that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, then I would give him justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel." So we see here Absalom provided himself, verse 1. He provided himself. He's the maker of his own destiny. Absalom had people, men, 50, go ahead of him. They would run before him. He's got this private entourage. He's got this great show going on. And he's presenting himself as something great and special with this going on. In chapter 14, back up and look at verse 25. Now in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And so here is a man who is outwardly extremely handsome, no blemish in this man and he is also going before the people and wooing them to himself, speaking such kind words, and, and I, I hear you on that. I, I understand your plight. And he sounds so compassionate, but he's full of vanity. He thinks highly of himself, and his appearance is, is, is not helping that. And so there is this outward show with Absalom, an outward show. We can easily be deceived by outward shows, And and then we see that he is willing, verse 2, to get up early. He would get up early in the morning. He's ready to work hard at his purpose here. And this plot he has. But his work is for himself. He's not truly serving the people. In in that he would go and speak to them and hear their cause they think that he's here's someone who wants to serve us here's someone who wants to help us yet he's seeking honor for himself he's seeking position amongst the people of Israel for himself and really he's got this marketing campaign and strategy and he's winning the hearts of the people and he's using advantages of the outward show and inward manipulation to capture the hearts He's impressing people with his charm and wit, with his presence and attentiveness. And while making a show to the people, he's sowing seeds of discord, which is a thing God hates. He's sowing seeds of doubt about the king, his father David, among the hearts of Israel, David's people. He's setting himself up while tearing authority down he's comparing himself he's speaking little words here and there I wish there was someone to hear you I wish there was a king in heaven that would listen to you but there's not someone on the throne who cared about your plight it's a just plight you have I feel you if I was the man who had you know the authority to do something about it I would so here he is, stealing the hearts. Now, verse 7, it came to pass after, it says 40, only in a couple manuscripts, but we know it's not 40. Uh, other manuscripts say four, and it's, it's likely it's, it's four years. It, it doesn't make any sense if it's 40 years, so it should be four. It came to pass after four years that Absalom said to the king, please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while I dwelt in Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And With Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor, from his city. Now, he wasn't a counselor like a psychologist, he's one of the uh, councilmen in in David's court uh, from his city, from Gilo while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. So he's spreading information in the subversive plan for four years. He's patiently seeding uh, seeds of discord and doubt. And he's presenting himself as better than the king. He's promoting himself. And, and he falsifies a reason to go to Hebron, a holy city. Abraham is buried there and so forth, and where David was anointed to be king and everything. And he's saying, I'm going to go there, and it's the spiritual reason I'm going there, because I'm God's servant. I'm going to go serve the Lord. 200 prominent men went along with him, innocently not knowing the full plot of Absalom. And, verse 12, his conspiracy grew strong, for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. Their hearts are being won over to Absalom and his wooing cause. Absalom is a usurper. Absalom is proud. Absalom is grooming the people. Absalom is making it sound like he cares. Well, David does not care. He seeks to take a place that is not his to take. And if anything is the spirit of Absalom, that would be it. It's a spirit of subversion, born out of pride or anger or self-pity or sense of injustice. It's taking matters into your own hands. And the word conspiracy in verse 12 here is interesting. It means a plot to overthrow, and the idea is purely treason. That's the word conspiracy throughout the Bible, treason. An unlawful alliance that's made, an unlawful alliance. Isn't there treason against heaven's throne? Absolutely. Today's word conspiracy in the minds of uh, our culture means something a bit different. Uh, It means more of theories, you know? And that word's being used uh, in many ways as as an idea of overthrowing other conspiracies. It's just a conspiracy war going back and forth, uh, you know? And and then real plots of, of coup or... Uh, treason and so forth but let me say you know i don't mind talking about almost anything i will talk uh, angels and aliens i will talk hollow earth flat earth globe earth heliocentric geocentric i don't care i'll talk about it and some people are like you can't talk about such things why not just talk about it it's fine you know the bible is the word of god at the end of the day I will talk socialism, Satanism, democracy, demons, Sasquatch, superheroes, Monsanto, monsters, pre-trib, pre-rath, mid-trib, post-trib. I think that ultimately the truth is going to stand out, and I'm not so absolutely concerned about um, thinking about things, you know. And 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 I I don't feel like I'm suddenly unsafe if a subject comes up because I'm secure in Christ. You know, I'm not worried about it so much. And, and the, during this COVID debacle, I mean, we had lots of opportunity to pick a side. You know, pick a side already. You know, let's, let's put those gloves on. You know, no, our mission is Christ. Our, our words are Christ and him crucified. The kingdom of the gospel. This is the purpose. Jesus didn't let him pull them pull him to the right or to the left. He had the mission set from the Father already. Some passions and interests can become in themselves a sort of gospel, and that's the problem. You know, the truth, I think, will show itself to be stranger than fiction. I think that we are all quite naive, and we have been uh, fed propaganda from, from childhood up, you know, to find out Sesame Street supports such things now or something. It's like, I thought it was all innocent, you know, all that time or something, and it's like, But nothing should ever take the place of the king. And that's the spirit of Absalom. You know, politics, cultural issues, science, so-called at times, uh, even minor Bible doctrines should never take the place of the king. There is no gospel but the gospel. Nothing's worth your blood, sweat, and tears but the gospel. He died to save us. Not so we could have a certain set of beliefs and opinions and go out protesting about those. Beware of the spirit of Absalom in anything, anything that wants to get our affection and draw us away to its cause. Beware of the spirit of Absalom that may be in our own hearts as well. Absalom is proud. He's vain. He wants justice. And oh, what a good thing to fight for, justice. If you look at the life of Absalom, it has justice written all over it. And now we have social justice warriors, don't we? Absalom, the first social justice warrior, I'd say. I mean, he's against good things that are to be against. He's against rape. Are you against rape? I I hope you are. You know? But that's not the gospel at the end of the day. You know, at the end of the day, Absalom's not actually a man of justice if you can believe it, he's a man of self-righteousness. He thinks that he has an issue that was never heard or seen by his father. So in self-righteousness, as he was never heard and seen, he becomes the one who will hear and see everybody else. And it's this psychological reversal that happens to him. I see the people, I hear the people, I care about the people, as if the king doesn't. Jesus is doing something about the problems in this world. Why aren't you doing anything about it, God? I'll take it into my own hands. And this is what self-righteousness does. It finds a cause to fight for. It finds a cause to fight for. Well, we found the reason to live and die in Christ, I hope. If anyone wants to follow me, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me, Jesus said. Absalom made for himself a platform, promoted himself. He's willing to go all the way, and he is actually really, truly convinced and believes in his cause to the death. He does. He believes it. He has deceived himself, and in Hebron, he's offering sacrifices to God, this pretense that his cause is somehow holy, and he believes it, but he has a fundamental error. He is missing humility and he is not seeking God's heart and God's will. He is leading, not being led. And he is a false king. There is the spirit of Absalom in many things. How about co-opting Jesus to use for a lesser cause than Jesus's cause? Co-opting Jesus. Throwing his name onto things that that's not why he died. Now, he's going to solve many problems, and all of the injustices are going to be accounted for. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have parachurch ministries uh, like the Haven uh, Pregnancy Center downtown. That is great. Or Children's Home, the Mercy Home in Kenya there. That is great. We need to have uh, support going all around these other things. But at the end of the day, if things aren't gospel-centric, if if it's not the gospel of Jesus that's being presented to the hearts and souls of people, then we're missing the point. We're missing the point. It's a small window we have in this life to share the gospel with people. And if God can save a Saul who was murdering Christians and turn him around and use him so mightily as he was, and all these letters in your New Testament written by him, You know, he can save the least of these, the worst of these, and so forth. And we better have the compassion of the gospel rather than seeking justice now. I want justice, and I want it now. We need mercy. That's what we need now. The gospel is the message we are to proclaim, to live for, to die for. Beware of the spirit of Absalom. This is the spirit of Absalom, seeking justice over mercy. Here's key. Absalom wants justice over mercy. That's not the era we live in. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's the heart of God. We want mercy. I'm a, I, I, I need mercy. And I should be asking, have mercy on others. Have mercy on the oppressor. Have mercy on the. You know, I want to see justice. But Absalom didn't believe the king's judgment, so he took it in his own hands. We want justice. Beware of the spirit of Absalom. This is also the spirit of Absalom is taking a position that God has not given you. God raises up and God puts down. And Absalom says, I'm going to have it myself. I'm going to raise myself up, darn it. Absalom is taking a position that was not given to him. And he's got all of his reasons justified. Well, they're not doing it. I should do it. This is like the rebellion of Korah in the wilderness. Look at all the people complaining, Moses. Do something about the problems for once. Come on, start a committee, Moses. Moses is like, I, I don't, I'm not a man of good speech. I don't know. You know, I'm just kind of waiting on God. When the pillar moves, I move. And I. Korah, what a useless leader you are, Moses. He drums up a campaign. Finally, the Lord's like, this needs to be dealt with. All right, draw a line. Everybody with Korah, go over there. Everybody not with Korah, come over here. Oh, put his stuff with him. You can take it with you. Earth opens up, swallows him up. Okay, let's move on. The people kept complaining. There will be endless causes. There's going to be endless problems until the king returns, Right? We're always going to be able to find the next cause. But the gospel is the cause of causes, and it's going to continue on. Uh, Anyways, Absalom is taking a position God has not given him. And we are to take the low seat. We are not called to be lords. We're called to be servants. We're not called to be lords. We're called to be servants. We're not called to be territorial. We're called to be servants. Beware of the spirit of Absalom. Verse 13 of chapter 15, continuing on here. Now a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Man, that must have felt like a punch in the gut. So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise, let us flee or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. David wasn't ready to have uh, the city besieged and to see many die. So he says, let's let's leave it to him. And the king's servants said to the king, we are your servants ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out with all his household after him. Um, But the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then all his servants passed before him and all the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath passed before the king. Now he could have fought, but he's not going to fight. They all follow him. Verse 19, then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king. That is the new king, by the way, in verse 19. For you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today? Since I go, I know not where. Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Itai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. Highlight that verse. So here is a war of hearts that's going on. Absalom is winning the hearts through charisma, through a show, through outward promises that he's making to people. And, you know, aren't campaigns and politics won that way today? All these promises, just handing it out, just handing out promises, doling out the promises, you know, never mind if any of them get fulfilled. Uh, No, never held to account, but it's, there's appeal also to so-called justice in the land. You know, let's bring justice in this area and that area. And, you know, you could figure out how to campaign pretty easily. But, you know, at the end of the day, David won the hearts of people who had the hearts to see clearly. And he won the hearts of his people through humility, through actually trusting God, through himself being a man who was, who was dependent on God, who, who sought God, who worshipped God. A man who, though he had mistakes in his life, he needed the mercy and grace of God and sought it. And he he was a man after God's heart. And, and these are the people that were following David, others who had a heart after God's heart. And, and and so David had hearts that were one to him. Absalom had hearts that were one to him. And what a divide that is in seeing that. You know, people looking for mercy or people looking for justice. Absalom took for himself, exalted himself. David surrendered and let the Lord raise him up. David surrendered himself. In verse 22, it continues. So David said to Ittai, go and cross over. This is the Kidron Valley, Valley of Jehoshaphat. Then Ittai, the Gittite, and all his men, and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron, and all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. What an amazing picture. Have we taken the cross? John 5 24. Have we taken the cross? First Peter 3:18. Look at them later. Those who have passed from death to life, those who will follow the way of the cross, those who will go into the valley. Those who will follow the heart of Jesus, like David is being followed. Those who cross over. We need to have our cross over. We need to leave it behind. And if it was from God, he'll give it back. Absalom becomes a picture of Satan and taking the throne that isn't his in Jerusalem. uh, David becomes a picture of Jesus, willing to suffer outside the gate. And they're weeping up, at, on the Mount of Olives and that's Jesus he looks out and he says oh, they, they, they will persecute you that they, they are going to do all these things to you who follow me it was before Christ and after Christ well uh, where are we Ittai becomes a, a noble character here a person of faith verse 24 uh, well let, let's actually sit back on Ittai for a second verse 19 the king said to Ittai the Gittite. Ittai the Gittite. Who is this guy? He's a Philistine from Gath. He's a Philistine from Gath. And he's in the army of King David. were they supposed to kill all those Philistines? <laughs> you know, the, the king urges him to return, but Ittai is going to follow the true king. Wherever his master goes... He is going to go in verse 21. Wherever the place, my Lord, the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. That's the heart we want, the heart of Ittai. You know, God bringing us in, most of us, if not all Gentiles, and allowing us to follow him. You know, wherever his master goes, he will go to death or life. You think Ittai saw what lording it over looked like, being amongst the Philistine lords? He knew it. He could smell it. And when he saw Absalom, you think Ittai knew the spirit of Absalom? You think when Ittai saw David there in Gath, feigning madness of all things, and then he saw these men following David and others in the wilderness, and Ittai's like, there is something different about that man. I want to follow him. Oh, it's going to cost you, Ittai. You will become a treason of your own people. You know, a, a conspirator and, and treasonous against the Philistine lords. And Ittai said, I'll count the costs. I will leave my affiliation. I will leave my uh, culture or everything else behind. And I will follow this man, David. Later in chapter 18, we see that Ittai becomes a command over one-third of David's armies. Faithful men. Faithful women who follow the Lord Jesus. Faithful with little, faithful with much. But it starts with that kind of a heart. As David goes outside the walls to once again be a wanderer, Itai says, I will suffer outside as well and be a wanderer with you. There's something different about him. And, and that same spirit uh, of, of itai he's willing to follow David, the heart of David. Absalom is grasping for power, and David walks away mourning. And that heart of Ittai follows So I think we stopped in verse 24. There was Zadok also and all the Levites with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar went up until the people had finished crossing over from the city. Then the king said to Zadok, carry the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. This is all David wanted. To be with the Lord in Jerusalem. And he says, God will bring me back. Hey, if if it was the Lord who put you there, it's the Lord who will keep you there. What amazing principles that we see in David's life. But if he says, I have no delight in you, here I am. Let him do to me as seems good to him. He is trusting this this whole threat of Absalom to the Lord. Then the king, or the king, verse 27, also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Ahamaz your son and Jonathan, the son of Abiathar. See, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Therefore Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. What a picture of Christ. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. Now, Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandfather. Ahithophel has a thorn uh, uh, inside of him that of bitterness that really becomes... Uh, his own downfall. So Ahithophel is with them. And David said, oh Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. There's a worthy prayer. The counsel of all all of these wise men of the world. Women of the world, you know, men in general. Uh, turn it to foolishness. Psalm 2. The people plot a vain thing the kings of the world take counsel together against the lord and his anointed it is vain the un's council is vain okay all the councils are vain and their plots to overthrow and control things through their power plays they are vain and so that's a worthy prayer turn their counsel into foolishness Now it happened when David, verse 32, came to the top of the mountains where he worshiped God. That's true worship. There was Hushai, the archite, coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. David said to him, if you go on with me, then you will become a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will now also be your servant then you may defeat the counsel of Ahithophel for me. So his answer to his prayer, turn Ahithophel's counsel and the foolishness was right there before him. All of a sudden, this guy appears and he's a humble heart. He's a broken and contrite man. He's got you know, dust and torn robe and so forth. And he goes, oh, there's my answer. Okay, Hushai, get back into the city and defeat Ahithophel's counsel. Thank you, Lord, for answering. And uh, verse 35, do you not have Zadok and Abiathar the priests with you there? Therefore, it will be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall tell to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Indeed, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them, you shall send me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, went into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. So, you know, David's prayer being answered right before him, they would be inside this usurper's kingdom, and yet not of the usurper's rebellion. You know, we are in a kingdom that has been usurped. Satan, the Absalom, the usurper. In looking over this world, there on top of the Mount of Olives, looking down and weeping over it, we have sadness. We see problems galore. You can look throughout, and there are just plights everywhere we look. And we can be sorrowful over the condition. And we thank God that he's given an answer in the gospel. That he is going to wipe every tear away. That whatever condition people are in, yes, we want to meet them in their physical need. Yes, we want to weep with those who weep. Yes, we want to uh, reach out a hand to those who have need. But we can tell them of something much greater. That they can have eternal life. And Jesus is going to make all things right. He's going to come again and call his church to himself, that where he is there, we will be also. And he is going to come again, and he is going to rule and reign in absolute righteousness. He will judge the kings of the earth. Their heads will roll, Psalm 149. It's going to be an immensely powerful scene. He will not come back meek and mild. But we are those who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. The cause we need to take up is the cause of Christ and the cross and proclaiming the good news that people can be born again. People can be forgiven of their sins. People can receive the mercy that they need. And, you know, look at the people and the principalities and the powers of this world grasping for control. It's all vanity. And all of it will come tumbling down before the true king when he returns. We know who will win. We know that Absalom is going to be so proud, his head's caught in the thicket. He's riding too high. The meek will inherit the earth. The meek will inherit. Inheritance. No matter about the world's Absaloms and the world's Ahithophels, the false prophet or the beast to come, all these things, may our hearts be like Ittai. Ittai. I've just shown up. I'm new here. No, I am not staying here with an Absalom spirit. I'm going with you, David. Oh, it's going to cost you, Ittai. It's going to cost you. Yeah, I'm ready. Because I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that the way I'm going is the right way. The truly righteous path. So may our hearts be like Ittai. And as we follow Jesus the way of Jesus, as we take up a cross, deny ourselves, we know that the Lord is at hand. The day is coming soon. And it's drawing nearer every day. So we look forward to his righteous rule and reign. Lord Jesus, help us to follow you wherever you go. Help us to be those like Ittai who have renounced the kingdoms of this world and said yes to you. And even when another cause presents itself in the name of the king like an Absalom, may we have the discernment and wisdom to rightly divide things and to be able to bear witness to where the lamb is going, to the direction the lamb would take and to follow you to cross over to take up our cross, to go into a valley, to take the side of those who mourn. Lord, we thank you that you are going to come and rule and reign in absolute power. But help us not to expect it until you come. (laughs) Lord, help us until then, preach the gospel, to look for the hearts and souls We thank you, Jesus, and we pray that you would protect our hearts, guard our hearts, and that we would look to you to be the answer to all just causes, Lord, and that you would uh, come and judge the earth and do righteously as you will. We praise you, God, and we pray that you would help us walk humbly with you, to love mercy, to do justly. In Jesus' name, amen.